from I-26 northbound, north of Somerville, South Carolina. Tuesday night, welcome to the Bearded Car Cast with Mike and Dave. I'm Mike, he's Dave, you're you, and we're glad you're listening. It would reason that if you're doing a traditional Bearded Car Cast, that means we're on the road following the Winthrop basketball team, and in this instance, we are. We are driving back from North Charleston, where Winthrop has set a record. The Eagles are 9-0. It's the best start for any team in Big South history. By the way, we just set a record. I looked down at the speedometer. We were doing 90. There you go. So I should probably Let's continue. No, because we got a ticket at, at uh, Radford. So well, you're go. driving. I think we should continue <laughs> to go at that pace. We'll get home much quicker Well, Winthrop quicker likes that way. to play fast, right? right? Yeah. Right. Well, what I was going to say was, traditional bearded car guest in the car, following Winthrop. Great win today, tight, blowout win yesterday, teams 9-0. and And it would reason that one of us does the driving. Yes. And the other one does kind of the minimal amount of <laughs> maintenance and engineering it takes to do the podcast, yeah. which basically means <laughs> hitting record, checking the levels, making sure the the apparatus, the technology yeah. we use is up and working. Right. But oh no, me, <laughs> I am unable to do anything. Yeah. So you are driving the yes. car, yes. navigating traffic, right. and setting the levels. That's I mean, right. Mike, Mike is right. driving with headphones <laughs> in No, it. I got one ear in. Well, one ear in. <laughs> well, it's all, inter- I mean, literally, this is going to be about 200 miles of interstate. You're the Flanders Fleming I am. I'm the preseason bearded car cast player of the year. The Charleston Southern Buccaneers have had some issues. A couple of players that have transferred, a couple of injuries, Preseason player of the year in the Big South, Flanders Fleming, who has a major league name, goes for, what was it, 32 today? 33. 33 today, and just carried CSU. Now, once he fouled out, the Buccaneers were actually quite good, maybe even better, but it was only a four-minute stretch at the very end of the game. But Mike is carrying us. He is doing it all right now. You're on my back. Get off. It's a one-man podcast. (laughs) No, not really. Well, I need your content. I need your help for the content. Well, and that's what Flanders Fleming needed. He needed needed, his teammates to chip in, and they did at the end. Like, this is one of those games where Winthrop led by 10. Charleston Southern just sticks with it. CSU took a second-half lead. It's close late. Winthrop's up four or five when Fleming fouls out. Winthrop hits two free throws, so now they're up six or seven, four minutes to go. You're feeling great. CSU hits, what did they hit, three or four threes? It was like three, yeah, I think it was four threes down the stretch. Maybe it was three, three out of four, because Knox, uh, Edwards had two, I think Knox had one. Or, anyway, regardless, they they had, uh, they, they put a scare into Winthrop. Down one with 15 seconds left, shot clock winding down. They miss a three. Emery Knox does. It's an air ball. It's a well-contested shot. It's a great possession of defense. And then Winthrop hits one out of two free throws, and Knox throws up a three at the buzzer and misses. Winthrop holds on. 
I can't wait to go back and watch the video and see how well those two shots were defended. I'm very confident the first one was really well defended, but the second one, we, we haven't seen the video of it. I don't know if he got a pretty good look and missed or the Eagles kind of were all over it. Yeah, uh, I, I think it was a combination of two. I think it was definitely well defended. I, I think also, too, just with knowing that the time was expiring, that... Uh, you know, maybe Knox can be forced up just a little bit too soon, like just a little bit. But Charleston Southern, I tell you what, considering they were really down to eight players, uh, that was an impressive, gutty effort. That's true, but also true is good teams win game like that. That's true. And Winthrop is now nine and zero, unbeaten in league play unbelievably ranked in the top 40 of the first NCAA net rankings. And maybe that number is going to fluctuate and maybe they're going to lean more on Ken Palm or Sagarin or whatever once we get to NCAA tournament seeding. Maybe Winthrop's going to get upset and and it's not going to matter. But but that's pretty impressive. But um, good teams win close games. Pat Kelsey's record in one-point games, in one-possession games, it is excellent and what I like is for the Greg Marshall era you almost rathered the opponent had the ball with Winthrop up one or two at the end than Winthrop's down one or two with the ball chance to win it and for a lot of the Kelsey era it was like I just hope we have the ball with a chance to win get it to Keon Johnson get it to Keon Moore get it to Xavier Cooks this team made two defensive stops. Same thing against Campbell. That yeah. one-point game a week or two ago got the big stops at the end of the game. When you are able to win a game with offense and win a game with defense, when you're able to win a half-court game and a full-court game, when you're able to win a game where you're shooting it really well or shooting it poorly, they are so Versatile. One of the things in the box score we didn't talk about in the post-game show, we didn't talk about in our post-game wraps, DJ Burns is a non-factor in the game. Last year's freshman of the year, he is a traditional big, a back-to-the-basket big. CSU plays at a tempo, and Winthrop is very happy to play at that same up-paced tempo that is not conducive to Burns. There are going to be a whole bunch of games this year where you need a bucket in the half court out of a set and you throw him the ball and it's huge. He's one of Winthrop's best analytics players because when he's in the game, the team has to think about him constantly. They have to double team him. He's a good passer. But we haven't seen the star DJ Burns in maybe what? Five of the nine yeah. games, something like that. Yeah. But he's had spurts, like he's no had, doubt. He's had spurts, like you know, he had a, a, that spin to the basket today that was really impressive. They are a team that can win in so Multiple many ways, ways, and that makes them so unbelievably dangerous. But they're hard to prepare for. Like, how do you, you know, especially on a, on a quick turnaround, right? Or, or in this situation, not this situation, but in a situation where, let's say, Winter picks up a game, a non-conference game. And, and you got to prepare for them within 36 or 48 hours. How, how do you scout that whole team in that amount of time? Well, I, because I, they go 12, you legitimately can have 12 guys that will play in the box score. And, and, and obviously, it'll be different levels of. We're recording time. this on Tuesday night. And I think it is very likely 
the Big South is going to announce in the next 24 or 36 hours that Winthrop is playing a game this weekend because there are teams in the league that are not playing right now because of COVID-19. Right. So why would you allow a team to have a buy when you can get games in? Right. There, there are more cancellations coming down the road. Sure. So when you can play games, you got to get, get them in. in. That means somebody now or tomorrow is going to say, find out you're playing Winthrop this weekend. Maybe somebody already has an idea right. that they're going to be playing Winthrop this weekend. So you're starting your scout on, let's say, Wednesday for a game that's going to be played on Saturday. You don't get to hone in on one guy. Winthrop's leading scorer averages 13 and a half points a game yeah. and you don't get to go through seven players you have to go through 11 yeah. because if you don't get to number 12 that dude threw in six points yeah. in five minutes in the first game against Charleston Southern and five points in five minutes yeah. today they had like maybe four rebounds today too exactly Tenari Lane is a problem He's a little bit of a problem for Winthrop because he has to play. Yeah. They have to get him on the court. How do you split up minutes among 12 people? But he's a problem for the rest of the league because Winthrop's 12th guy is unquestionably a rotation player on any team in the league. And now you have to go through scouting report. You have to go through video. You have to go through walkthrough mindful of a dozen different players. But it's not just a dozen players, Dave. It's Don't you think you have to kind of worry a little bit about combinations too? Because Winthrop, it's not a traditional five in, five out. It's not like a hockey change. I mean, well, early in the game it is. But there are times where... It, like once you get into the flow of the game, there are guys coming in and out. Sometimes they're the same guys. Sometimes it's a different combination. I mean, and the longer the year goes, the more data is going to be available. Yeah, yeah. And they're going to be able to say, look at a binder on the bench and say, we need our best defensive lineup yeah. now. And they're going to know exactly who to put in the game. Yeah, that's right. Or we need our zone breaking yeah. lineup now. Let's get these guys in the game. That's right. Or we need to pick up the tempo, play this group of guys. It's a half-court game. Play these guys. It is very, very difficult to defend eight different teams. I know that several coaches told us last year they have two teams. They have the team with Burns on the court right. and the team without Burns on the court. I, I think they are able to do just an unbelievable number of things. You know what it reminds me of? A team with a deep bullpen. Right. You got the yeah. sinker baller, yep. you have to yep. deal with him one way. Yep. You got the fire baller, yep. got to deal with him another way. You got the left-hander, you got the guy with the cutter. There are just so many things they can do. But in almost any combination that they roll out there, the five on the floor are being subbed in by players that are going to play at an equal to, and maybe in some cases, a little better level. And it'll, ch it'll be dictated by, like, they'll change game to game. It might be the same different guy. It, won't, it might rotate between different guys, but it's just amazing. I've never seen a team like this, David, and it's so selfless. I mean, the guys care for each other. They're, they, they, I mean, basically, they're sacrificing minutes for the good of the team. I don't know if we've seen a guy complain when he was taken out of the game the entire year. They're nine games in. Several of those games have been blowouts, and they happily go to the bench, get a blow, get some uh, water, recuperate, yeah. and get right back yeah. in the game. Yeah, yeah. well, I, I think get a breather might be better. Hey, I mean, I think, I think we know what I'm talking about. I, we do. I don't. I, I, I know, know, I know. Maybe we need to put a a, uh, 
No, no, we're, we're, it's, it's clean. It's family. It's family. <laughs> the Beard of Carcass is a family program? Yeah. So, that's what's going on with Winthrop. Yeah. And it's really, really exciting. Yeah. It stinks that there are no fans. It does stink that there are no fans. It changes the environment of the game. You can hear pretty clearly what coaches and players are saying at times. But that's another thing Winthrop does really well. Because they got 12 guys playing, there's noise all the time. People are supporting each other. There's an intensity. It, it, it's, it's pretty... It's pretty neat. But you know what? Sophomore Chase Claxton told us uh, last night, actually, on Monday night after the game, we talked to him that, you know, once they get into the flow of the game, they don't really think about or it's not really conscious to them that there aren't people there. And I think because this team plays with such an intensity, and I think that's born out of how they practice. Let's talk about broadcasting. Okay. We've <clears throat> called games this year off a monitor. Yep. We've called games with face masks on. Yep. We've called games with face shields yes. on. Yes. And we've called games with nothing on. Yes. Well, well, you did. I, well, I wore a mask too. Clothing. Yesterday. Yeah. Just <laughs> no, we, no. we were, we were, yeah. No face cover. But, you know, we do, um, you know, we have gone to the more, I mean, we're still dressed professional, but we're not wearing ties and suits anymore. Uh, unlike Mike Bray, we're actually wearing yeah, clothes pants. to the yeah, game. Yeah, wearing pants. I, I just... Loved that the Scott Van Pelt show. Um, I don't know what day it was. Notre Dame was playing Virginia Tech, and Mike Bray is wearing shorts and flip flops. And Van Pelt goes, "It's January. Put on a pair of yeah. pants." Yeah. Um, well, and you know you can um, like you can get by calling games off a monitor. Like that is that is doable. Um, and you can and you can do well at it. However, uh, I have found just because we've had the, 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 the both situations, it's just nothing beats being in the arena. There's nuance. There's you can pick up things, verbal cues. You can you know things that aren't going to be picked up on a television monitor unless you have a really good director or you're just lucky. We did our best the two games on a monitor, and that was part broadcasting and part theater. Right. And I'm kind of glad those were the first two games of the year because it had been, whatever, eight months since we called a game in person. Now that we've done games in person, I think going back to the monitor, I would be really down. Like, Mm. it's, it's so much different. Like, in the game... You feel the energy. You see the yeah. body language. Right. You, you catch... Or the interplay between coaches and referees or coaches and players. Absolutely. I mean, like, like I'll give you a good example. Um, there was a, a double technical, uh, which essentially gave uh, Flanders Fleming his fourth, his third and fourth fouls. Because he committed a foul, and then there was some jawing, and then a double technical call. And I, I, I could see his body language, and, you know... It, he wasn't saying like it was really funny because he comes across as a really good kid, so he, he wasn't like being a problem. But you could tell that he was just over frustrated, overcharged, and frustrated. And he wasn't saying anything bad. Like he was just, and and you know he wasn't really. I don't know how to, how to put it. And, and I just knew he needed. I was like, he needs to come out of here. Like Barkley needs to get him off the floor. Mind you, he hadn't t- taken a, a break the entire game. And you even were like, no, no, they like they need him on there. I'm like, Dave, like he's got to come off. They're the floor. down seven yeah. with. Seven-ish minutes to go. Yeah, it was like maybe seven and a half. And I'm just thinking, 
it, Winthrop hits a three, gets a stop, scores right. again. They're up 12, and the game is over. But I think Barkley needed to get, refocus him because I yep. think his, he, he was more concerned about the fouls, and, the, and, the, and I think there was a little bit of uh, bleep talking going on. Like, he just needed to kind of get, get a reset. Yeah. Give Charleston Southern credit, though. He went out. They not only yeah. weathered the no, storm, they, they, but they, they cut into they cut the into deficit. Down to four. Yeah. And he came back and, and was yeah. more uh, level-headed and, and ready to go. Yeah. But I don't know that we would have been able to get the I agree. nuance on that off of my No, I, 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 I completely agree with that. Um, and all of the face stuff, not ideal, but not the end of the world. Yeah, I mean, I think it's you, you. You hear about it, and you're like, "Oh, come on!" And then going through it, it doesn't. It, it's not the worst thing in the world. I don't love the sound, but it's not an enormous different. I don't love the feel, but it's not awful. It's not something that if I were listening on the radio or, or watching on TV and the, and the announcers had masks on, I don't know that that's something that would preclude me from continuing to enjoy watching the game. What is more noticeable to you when watching a game on television? Broadcasters in masks or broadcasters not on site? Oh, that's a great question. Um, probably, it's probably the mask, because you know, I, I mean, I, I do both, but my, my background is radio, and in fact, I started out with radio producing and some engineering. So I, I feel like I've developed an ear for listening to, to things. So I think I would notice more somebody wearing a mask. Like, that would be more evident to me initially than... I, I agree. Initially, you're going to hear the slight muffle in the sound but of I think, the mask. But I think the problem with the monitors is, especially good announcers, you can fake it well enough as long as it's a clear... Like, we had an issue where our, our signal was a little bit... Um, it would cut in and out the video feed. So it was what's called lag. But I think we benefited from being in the same room. I watch a lot of broadcasts oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. where yeah. Dave Fleming is in one place. Yeah. And but I think they explained, like, I think the reason why you know about it, though, is because they, they kind of feel like when there's something that that's not normal for them, they have to say, well, you know, we're not together or we're in our home studio or, or they'll come back from a break and it's, you know, the kitchen, the, the shot of the... the right. But I think, I mean, I was watching Roxy Bernstein do a game with Bill Walton the other night. Bill Walton at his house is Ooh. different than Bill Walton at the game. Because it, he can't feed off the, the energy of being next to somebody. And he can't see the band and the yeah, students yeah, right. and the players. Right. And That's I mean, right. you know, Bill, unlike a lot of people that are kind of faking it, He'll say he couldn't see something. Yeah, right, right, right. And, and like sometimes that's the case. You just you don't catch it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean to me there's just no substitution for being there. Podcast. That's Mike Pacheco. I'm Dave Franklin. It's been forever since we went to the mailbag. It is. Happy New Year. And you can uh, mail us beardedcarcast at outlook.com. At beardedcarcast is how you follow along on Twitter. And, uh, you know, whether it's through SoundCloud or iTunes or Stitcher, subscribe, like, share, leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. The NFL playoffs are here. Let's 
talk for a moment about the regular season, and then we'll get to the playoffs. Yes. The regular season ended in a game that a team not only attempted, but successfully lost on purpose. Yeah. You know what? I don't like that, and this isn't uh, a knee-jerk reaction. Um, we've actually talked about this on the Panthers postgame show for a couple of years in different in different iterations, whether it was the Panthers tanking, or not Panthers tanking, but a situation where fans maybe want the Panthers to tank, or whether it's, you know, we're observing other situations. And what I don't like about it, Dave, is, and I've had multiple coaches from different leagues and different sports tell me this, so it's not like just a one sport observation, but winning is so hard that it's not easy to just turn winning on and turn winning off. And um, Eugene Robinson had a great point, I thought, on two weeks ago on our post-game show. He said, look at look at the teams that are going to draft in the top five or ten this year. Not all of them, but a good couple of them are perennial bottom feeders that are drafting number one, number two, number three, number four, number five every year. And what's that got? Yep. Winning breeds winning. Losing breeds losing. So, philosophically, the Eagles win and they get the number nine draft pick and the Giants go to the playoffs. The Eagles lose. They get the number six draft pick and Washington goes to the playoffs. I don't really objectively have an issue with trying to not win. I thought the way they went about it was very, very poor. If you are not trying to win, Start Nate Sudfeld. Right. Make it apparent at the beginning of the game, hey, we're doing what's best for the organization. We need to see what we have in Sudfeld, blah, blah, blah. Right. But you look like you have been, if not the better team, certainly equal. They were competitive. I mean, was that right there in it? For three quarters. And you take Jalen Hurts out, and the game is over. But also, what is that, you know... Sports is a lot about, we hear this from coaches all the time. Marty Herney used to talk about this all the time on the postgame show, Panthers postgame show, when he was the GM. You know, confidence is such a, you know, it's an important attribute to have. It's, it's a, a commodity, but it's a fleeting one. What does that say to Jalen Hurts? Like, oh, you know, but they don't, they don't give a shit if I win or not. Do you think Excuse there is a carryover with the Eagles, whether it be Hurts or Wentz or the coach or anything well, chemistry-wise. Do no you no think, pun intended, but who's the coach? I, I, I mean, we assume Doug Peterson's going to be back. I don't think they're changing coaches, right? but we certainly don't know I mean, that. Well, we do know that there was some um, some you know sourcing, you know, un, you know, players that talked on the condition of anonymity. There was some grumblings. I guess a couple of players wanted to go up to him during the game and say, what's going on? So, Yeah, I think that could potentially be a a lingering issue. So you think the 2021 Eagles are adversely impacted by this decision? I think they could be. I mean, I think that's a fair... I think it's a... I mean, you know, it's here's the thing. And this is going to tell you about the leadership on the team, right? Um, You know, and this is the other thing, right? And this is probably more your bailiwick than mine. But... um, and I, you know we haven't done the research on this, but are you are you significantly are you getting a significantly better player at six than you are at nine? Well, I mean that. I mean Luke Heakley and Christian McCaffrey were both drafted after six, right? But 
Andrew Luck's not available past one. You have to have one to get Andrew. But don't Luck. you think it's kind of like you have to have one, one to get Cam Newton? But don't you think it's kind of like one, two, three, and then maybe after four and five, it starts to kind of depending on what teams need. I think every draft is different. Yeah. And I am not going to pretend to be a draft expert. I know that Trevor Lawrence looks like he's going to be a pretty good player, right. and having the number one draft pick seems pretty good. But doesn't it seem logical? Like I could say, I could understand if your thinking was all right. I'd rather, instead of drafting fourth, I'd rather draft first. So it's, I can understand that. But from six to nine, like, because the guys that are, I don't know, in the back of your mind, if you're a pro player, are you thinking, are we really in this? Like, I mean, the, the, and it's the the carryover too, Dave. It's like, now you're going to judge every decision down the road too. Like, well, I mean, it just, it, 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 it now, has they could an easily, impact of They some can sort. easily get over it. They can easily get over it, and it's not a problem. But I could see that it, it, down the road in different areas it could be an issue. And to play devil's advocate, if you take the Jimmy Johnson trade chart, having six has more value than nine. And remember, that's the case in every round. Right. right. So now you're three picks earlier in the second yeah. round and third round right. and so forth and yeah. so on. If you yeah. want to make a trade, you can get a little more value, yeah. et cetera. But, but that, it's interesting to kind of talk through sure. their positives each right. way. Absolutely. The playoffs. Yeah. The number one seed. So hold on a minute. Cleveland makes the playoffs, right? It's been for, it's for forever, right? Yep. 20-some years. So wouldn't you know it, they make the playoffs, and oh, by the way, they got COVID issues. Yeah. I mean, now they had COVID issues last week, and they still beat the Steelers, yeah. albeit a Steelers team that didn't play right, a lot of starters. Right. And particularly their, their, you know, MVP quarterback in Roethlisberger. Right. I mean, the teams with buys, only two of them, oh, yeah. well, Green no, Bay one, and Kansas yeah, City. Yeah, one in each league. One in each conference. Yeah. Or and, conference, yeah. And everyone else. Yeah. I still... I think I went back to the old uh, AFL, NFL. Yeah, I like that. The pre-merger. Pre-merger. I think Kansas City is in a tier... And almost all the other playoff teams, maybe except for Washington or Washington and Chicago, are kind of in the next tier. That's not to say there aren't teams I like a little bit better than others. I personally prefer New Orleans to Green Bay. After watching New Orleans, and granted it was a you know an end-of-the-game year that really didn't have much meaning. It had more meaning, obviously, for New Orleans. But, man, that team, that, that, I think they're legit. No Alvin Kamara in that game. I know, no Alvin Kamara. No, yeah. no, arguably the top wide receiver yeah. in the NFL, Michael right. Thomas. No Michael Thomas either. In yeah. that game. Obviously, the Panthers were playing shorthanded too. Yeah. So, do you do you think Kansas City is a pretty strong favorite? Or do you like, I mean, let's put it very simply. Would you take Kansas City or the field? I would take Kansas City. You would take Kansas City over all other playoff teams. Are you talking AFC or, or all? Total com- thing. Complete Kansas F. City or all other playoff teams to win the Super Bowl. Oh, no. I don't think that. I, I think there's a. I think New Orleans has a, has a chance to be in there. But I wouldn't. You know, every time I go against Green Bay, they prove me wrong. So, I, I mean, I don't love Green Bay, but they have something going on this year, too. I feel like Kansas City's a 35-40% yeah. Super Bowl champion. I mean, I would take that. I would take Kansas City over the field in the AFC, yes. 
But yeah. I, don't know, I don't know that I would say that against the, the, the rest of the playoff teams. That yeah, I, both. I, I really feel like it's Kansas City 35-40%. I prefer New Orleans next, but I would really jumble up everyone else except Washington and Chicago and reasonably evenly distribute my percentages elsewhere. If Kansas City does not win the Super Bowl, who are your three favorite teams other than them? Well, I think the combination of what the Steelers have put together would, would be in that mix. Mike Tomlin, I think, is a great coach. You know, Ben Roethlisberger maybe starting to you know wind down the beginning of the wind down of the career, but he's still an elite, you know, top level quarterback. So they played that one terrific game in Week 16. They were bad for a quarter, yeah. the final three quarters. But they were good for like 12 weeks. And then they were horrible yeah. for a month. Yeah. Then they played the th- great three quarters, and last week they essentially had a bye. I mean, they didn't, right, they didn't play right, their key right, guys. Right. You saw enough in those three quarters when they beat Indianapolis to think they're over the problems they had. I think so. Yeah. I, I think mean, good teams win, you know. Look, not, it's, look it's, it's, no one can go, not no one, because it has happened twice the regular season, but, I mean, it's rare that anybody escapes an NFL season without a couple of dings. So you have Kansas City 1, and then some combination So I would say Kansas of, City 1, I'd say maybe interchangeable Pittsburgh and Tennessee. I mean, with Derek, if Derrick Henry, if they get that run game going, and they can just eat up clock and pound you. I just hate their defense. I know. I mean, look, they're, they're, but they're, a, they're, they're kind of a good flawed team, right? I mean, when they have things going in the right direction... Uh, you know, look, Derrick Henry, he can take over a game, man. So like, you like Tennessee to beat Baltimore. I believe Baltimore is a slight road favorite. I think that's a terrific game. Oh, I think it's a great game. I, I mean, Baltimore is a team that I have very mixed feelings. And I think people, because of the way they played the last month, are really excited about them. But John Harbaugh hasn't won a playoff game Maybe, I think, since the last time they won the Super Bowl, which is five years or so. And Lamar Jackson is polarizing. At his best, he is terrific. But I would say more often than not this year, he has... Well, more often than not against good teams, he's been neutralized. And I think that's a big issue for them because I think they expected an uptick. I I mean, last year he had a great year. MVP-type MVP season. Year. Yeah, MVP-type You know, this year it's been, you know, it's been... Well, they, they had a COVID issue, too. Like, this has just been a real... It's been a weird year because it's... Because I don't think COVID, COVID's not, like, an injury. You know, I mean... It's hard to really say how it's impacted the league or individual teams But because, look at Cam Newton. Like, he, he had a... He started yep. off okay. Like, maybe not, not terrific, but not terrible. I mean, he was kind of getting... He, was, he had some good games. And then he had to sit out... Uh, with the COVID deal, and then he looked terrible the rest of the year. We'll get to Cam Newton, the Patriots, and the Panthers in just a minute. But let's wrap up our discussion of the playoffs. You like Pittsburgh, Tennessee, New Orleans in that group behind Kansas City? Is that right? Yes, I do. Yeah. Interesting you don't pick Buffalo. I think they're very, very popular right now. But but, I uh, like uh, Hold on, hold on. you got to understand something about Buffalo. They are very good. Uh, they have some some pieces uh, in the administration that came from Carolina. I respect them, but as a lifelong New England Patriots fan, I can just not 
This is an irrational. You can't get there. No, yeah, I mean they probably are in that group, but uh, you know the the, the the amount of crap I heard from Bills fans over yeah. the years about the Patriots, I don't want to hear about it. Bills. <laughs> so I hope they go down in flames for that, just for that reason. But I do like you know Brandon Bean. I think he's done a great job, McDermott. Like I like the personnel. Um, it's just the, the the franchise as as a whole. I think is, uh, and I say that tug and cheek. I they are I they. I kind of feel like because even though New England wasn't good, it still cast a big shadow over the Bills. Yeah, yeah. And that's I like, not, maybe not fair, but... I like New Orleans in the NFC a little bit better than everyone else, though. If they play a road game at Green Bay in the NFC title game, I, I mean, Green Bay is going to be a slight favorite in that game. I, I just prefer New Orleans a little bit. Um, in the AFC, I, I like Kansas City the best. Everyone else kind of solid, uh, reasonable. Do I think Kansas City is beatable? A hundred percent. I just, th- there's no other, what I would call complete yeah. team. I think the Bills are a year away from being that complete team. Well, you know, I, I mean, I, I think the numbers and maybe the eye test too would tell you Buffalo. I just, I'm not there yet. Yeah. I trust Andy Reid. Right. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think Buffalo has the ability to be in that category next year. It's funny to trust Andy Reid. Before well, last remember, I mean, year, Andy he Reed, was the guy that could win playoff absolutely. games. So, so maybe that maybe that's recency bias. Um, it'll be fun. It always is fun. It is fun. The Panthers. Yes. The Matt Rule era begins in 2020. The post Cam Newton era begins. What do we make of the season? Well, I think they they landed. If you are a Bills, uh, Bill Parcells fan, then you are, you are what your record says you are, guy. You know they landed where a lot of people thought they would be, but I don't think they took the journey to get there that people thought. And what I mean by that is there were eight games, Dave, where they lost by what I would say is a touchdown uh, and a two-point conversion away from either tying the game or winning the game, or, or possibly winning the game. Right. So there are eight games, eight games where they were within one score plus a two-point conversion from having a different result. Four of those games were less than four points. Um, I thought they were a lot more competitive. Um, interestingly enough, now no Christian McCaffrey, so understandable with what I'm about to say. I think offensively they maybe took a little bit of a, a dip late. Um, I think some of that was just uh, Teddy Bridgewater didn't play great after his injury. Uh, but I thought the defense, the young defense, got better and better as the year went on. So I think the word is optimism. Uh, I think Matt Rule, uh, and I think he would admit this openly. Um, I think there were some decisions that didn't he didn't make. But this is the year. This is a COVID year. This is a year in transition. This is a year where you know you're, you're trying to figure. I'm I'm okay with this year playing out the way it did because I think he, as a coach in the NFL, learned a lot. And I think uh, I love his attitude. I love the message he's selling, not just to the players, but what uh, you know the, the fact that he wants to build a winning culture. I mean, everyone says that, right? I want to build a winning culture, but. He has done it at Temple. He did it at Baylor, and um, and and I like I like some of the things that, that he's doing here in Carolina. Uh, yeah, look, next year I think it's going to be a big year because John Fox's first year was a little bit like this year. I thought where you know they were close in some games, and uh, like I'm not suggesting they're going to go to the Super Bowl next year, but uh, I, I, I what they do in free agency and what they do in the draft, maybe having OTs, hiring a GM. High, well, hiring a GM is big, obviously, but. You know, they're going to have, um, like, th- in this COVID deal, like, they didn't really have a full, 
off season, right? Now, now this is first full off season as an NFL head coach. I think you have to be optimistic about Matt Rule. Absolutely. I thought the job didn't look bigger than him. No. Nope. I think he made some mistakes that a young coach are going to make, but. You know, it wasn't the year you were competing to win the Super Bowl, and, and that's okay. Learn now. They do have some significant questions for free agency. Yep. I don't think Curtis Samuel is back. Mm. He's going to get a pretty significant pile of change. Yep. And what is he? I mean, he, he's a jack of all trades, a Percy Harvin change of pace type guy in a salary cap league. In order to be that guy, you have to have a pretty consistent um, impact. I don't know that he's a $10 million a year player. Right, right. And and I, I think the answer is probably yes. Like, every, you know, a lot of teams would like to have him, but there, there has to be that fit too, right? Like, where Everyone would in? like to have him. You always yeah. want talented guys, and it's nice to be able to be versatile and do right. something different. Now... Here's a question. Maybe you can re-sign him if your quarterback isn't making any money. Right. Because it, it's all about balancing right. the dollars and the cents. Teddy Bridgewater it, is only making $10 million a year, so it's not like... You know, but if you don't have Teddy Bridgewater right. and you draft a quarterback, right. that's $10 million that could right. go to Curtis Samuel. Well, you do take a... Um, I, think, I don't think um, Teddy Bridgewater getting cut this year would be... A, I think they'd take a big... Could be traded. Okay. I, I mean, I don't know. How do you assess Teddy Bridgewater's season? It was a tale of two seasons. You know, I thought he looked really good early on. You know, good decision-making, sharp. Um, you know, the one question that we had on the post-game show, really with Brett McMillan, but, you know, we, we all discussed it. Teddy, like, when he, after he came back from that knee injury, he just didn't look the same. And I don't know, like, his, in that, you know, the, the two interceptions he had, in the game against the Saints. I mean, it looked like he totally underthrew those balls. And, you know, look, injuries, if you're out on the field, the expectation is you make a place, right? So, that, so injury's not an excuse. But I think Teddy Bridgewater is an NFL starting quarterback. Yes. But I don't know that Dave Tepper thinks we're going to build this team with a ferocious defense. And a great supporting cast that allows the 15th, 18th, 22nd, 25th best quarterback in the NFL to win. That doesn't feel like Matt Rule. That doesn't feel like Joe Brady. Right, right. That doesn't really. But feel... he also didn't have Christian McCaffrey. Hundred like, percent. So you gotta you gotta mix that in the. Equation. I personally like Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, I would very I much like to see the Panthers run it back with him. Yeah. I think the Panthers will draft a quarterback. I think they probably will also have Teddy Bridgewater. I think so. But I would be fairly surprised if they don't have both the solid veteran that we think is good enough but maybe doesn't represent huge amounts of hope and just, you know, like, you don't get the... Wow, we're, we got this guy, and we're going to win the Super Bowl with him. I, I think you draft that guy, and you have both of them. Then again, look at the Dolphins. Yeah. Tua 
and Ryan Fitzpatrick, is that what you're setting yourself up for by drafting a quarterback? Well, I, I think the key with Teddy Bridgewater is I think he's the guy, if you have that super defense, he's not going to make too many mistakes. Well, again, healthy. But, but is it realistic to think the Panthers are going to have a super defense? Like, at the beginning of the year... Well, we, well hold on. Let me, let, me, let me finish my thought because... I think the way the league has become, though, I think you still need to have a super def- or good, de- strong defense. But I kind of feel like offensively, you got to be able to put points up on the board too. Like, it, yeah, I like mean, I think the days of like winning games like seventeen to fourteen, like th- those games are rare. Like, when was the last time you saw that score this year? And, and I agree, but that leads to the question: Can Teddy Bridgewater be the? trigger man on an offense that scores 30 points a game. Well, I think if you have Christian McCaffrey and you have, you know, another year of DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, I think, the, to be honest with you, offensively, I think their biggest need is uh, um, a, a, um, a Greg Olson type, like a, a young Greg Olson, like a, a, a good blocking tight end, but a good, uh, you know, they have some of those, but a guy that really can make something happen in the in the, in the passing game. And, you know, we saw little flashes from Ian Thomas, but, you know, you know, and maybe it's a scheme thing, but I'm a huge tight end. Like, I think one of the most important pieces, you know, after quarterback, running back, yeah, but what's left, right? But I, I always think having a good tight end, safety valve, guy that can stretch the field, in the sense, I don't mean stretch the field in the wide receiver sense, but in the sense of if you need a, a little seam route, you know, you can throw it four or five yards, and he can get you another seven yards on that. You can argue the best Patriots offensive teams were the one with Aaron Hernandez and Gronk. And yeah. Gronk. Yeah. Let's talk about the Patriots. Weird year. Weird year. I don't think Cam Newton will be back. I don't. I don't. I, I think it was a... Uh, how do you put this? Remember, Teddy Bridgewater making $10 million a year. Yeah. Cam Newton making, making one. one. Yeah. You got maybe the one million dollars worth of production, but I think that's also the kind of the deal where uh, you've you've known somebody for a long time, and you start to date for a while, and you still like each other, but you realize it's it's just not the right deal. Well, does Cam Newton have a future in the NFL? You know, I told you this last year. I really felt like he had, you know, one maybe two like legit good years left in him, and then maybe he could kind of. Um, eke out, you know, maybe three or four years. I, I don't think that now, Dave, and I, and I don't like to think that because I've uh, talent-wise, I've always loved, I've loved watching that guy play. Um, I always felt like he, if he put his mind to it, he could adapt to being. Look, he's never going to be a drop-back passer. I don't. I'm not saying that, but I, I thought one way that he could maybe have longevity is if he kind of figured out how to be incorporate more traditional stuff. Um, and get more accurate and uh, and rely less on the running game. This year he was playing for a contract, and I think he, he just... He was playing with a team that had very few weapons right. as well. That being said, I have an abundance of confidence that there is no starting job for him No, available. I don't think he has a starting... So I, is he... I don't a, think he... I don't know if he'll be comfortable enough. I mean, he's a competitor enough that I think he would take another deal... I think he's got three options. Yeah. I think he's a backup quarterback, he's a Taysom Hill gadget guy, or he's not in the NFL next yeah. year. Which are you betting on? 
I don't I don't see him wanting to be the Taysom Hill. I, I I think he could. I think if he was in a situation where you had a quarterback that maybe had a short leash and thought that maybe he could either try and win the job in training camp or if things go south, could be inserted in. Uh, I think he might, you know, might try to be that like uh, kind of like a Ryan Fitzpatrick type role. Think the Patriots next year with the opt-outs, some of them returning new quarterback situation and the best draft pick they've had in a while are dramatically better, a playoff team, or do you think it's kind of over? I think it is. I don't think it's over. But I think the pressure that's going to be, and I don't know that Bill Belichick and the organization feels the pressure, but the external pressure of, well, Tom Brady went to the Super Bowl. I mean, you know, I'm, you know, let's say Tampa Bay goes to the Super Bowl. We didn't talk about them. No, we didn't talk about you Tampa like the Bucs or don't like the Bucs? You know what? I I like them, but I don't I don't love them. Like I like them, and I and I think in the right scenario they could they could maybe get to the Super Bowl. Well, they've got a good draw. But yeah, but I just I don't know. I don't know if I trust that team as a whole. They played pretty well down the stretch. I don't trust them either, but I've been against them think, most of the year, and they've think, been pretty good. But don't yeah, but I mean, but Tom Brady, I think, still susceptible. He's still Tom Brady, and, and, and you know my feelings towards what he's done in his career. Uh, and I don't I'm, think and, they're as good as New Orleans. I don't think they're no, as I don't good either. as Green right? Bay. But hey, you know, there's a song, there's a country song. Um, I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. Yeah, yeah. I, I think if they have that type of like I think they can get there, but I just don't. I don't trust Tom Brady. It's not on him, but I, I could see him having a bad game faced against the right defense. If they're knocking him off his spot, not making him comfortable, they'll they'll be in an early out, or they'll be. They'll, those are the games that they'll lose. Next year's Patriots, eight and eight or better or worse. I'm not ducking it. I just I have no idea. I can't yeah. tell you. I mean, I, I'd like to think they're a nine and seven team next year, but. You mentioned the big holes. Like, are, you know, are all those guys that opted out coming back? You know, um, who's the quarterback? Yeah. Lots of questions. Lots of questions. There's too many questions for me to handicap that right now. I'd take them off the board. Take <laughs> Urban Meyer goes to the NFL, you think? Do I think there's someone out there willing to give him $10 million a year? Yes. I mean, he's abundantly qualified. Abundantly. But... Here's, my only question with him is, if, if it was my money, right? No question, you are an upper level elite college coach, no doubt about that. Can that translate in the NFL? We've seen mixed results. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. My concern as a, as a hiring person would be, I mean, yes, you've done well where you've gone, but you know, are you healthy enough to take this job? Like, Would both? you rather have Urban Meyer coach your NFL team or Ryan Day, who took over for Urban Meyer at Ohio State and apparently is also on the NFL radar? Well, here's the thing. is, I had this thought. We didn't talk about this on the postgame show, so this is fresh uh, fresh material. Breaking? Breaking news. No, I, I feel like Urban Meyer would be a little bit like Steve Spurrier. Oof. Steve Spurrier basically ignored the defensive side of the football and had five different guys that went to Florida playing quarterback. I, I think Urban Myers. I no. I just get that sense. I'm not saying it's. I, I'm not saying it's an apples to apples comparison. I just think. I don't know. You know, will his stuff work in the pros? I don't know. 
I think he's a pretty smart guy, a pretty hardworking guy. I, I think he would be good if his mental health is strong enough and his physical health. Did we too. ever know what the, the deal was? I mean, there have been a series of different different things, and, and that's concerning. But if you're a Jaguars or a Jets, and you've been a downtrodden franchise, hiring the Jimmy Johnson-type guy who's been successful everywhere they've gone, uh, especially if you're going to have a Trevor Lawrence or a Fields as your yeah. quarterback, I I like it. Like, it might not work. All right, work. so let's say he goes to uh, – well, if he goes to Jacksonville, the, 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 unless – Something crazy happens. It's gonna be Trevor Lawrence. Yep. But if he goes to right, the now, Chargers, so let's say, so let's, say, let's, say let's say he goes to Jacksonville. It does the unthinkable and drafts Justin Fields. Okay. Would you then start to buy into my theory? I'm joking because he's getting a quarterback to Ohio State. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. I, I mean, do you think? Because Matt Rule got nine million. So I mean, obviously the market, you know, that set the market right. And Urban Meyer obviously thinks from an ego perspective and a, and a body of work perspective that he's worth more. I mean, I think if he wants a job, he's going to get a job. And I don't know that he can name his own price, but pretty darn close to it. I mean, NFL teams, and there are some that are a little bit thrifty, but I mean, John Gruden got a 10-year, $100 million contract, and... I'm not going to say that was undeserved, though. They're not exactly a playoff regular right now. That's where owners can spend money that doesn't count against the cap. Right, right. So you're talking about billionaires, and they want to win badly, and that's where they can hide their finances. I mean, give Dave Tepper credit. He so frequently gets what he wants. Now... You have to draft the right players. You have to develop them. You have to have some luck. But he wanted Matt Rule, and he got Matt Rule. And if you're Shad Khan, the owner of the Jaguars, or you're one of these other teams looking for a coach, you, know, you pay backup players or journeyman players six, eight, ten million dollars a year. The guy's the freaking coach of the team. Right. I, I, He's the coach. Yeah, that, that's right. He's the coach. And, and I think I think you go get that guy. I'm not saying that every team with a vacancy is going to offer Urban Meyer 10, year, $10 million a year, but I think more than one will. Yeah. Anything else to wrap things up? We're heading to the house. We're almost in Columbia, so we thank you for... Oh, 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 oh wait a oh. minute, we got one more. We do have one more. We didn't talk about the food at all. That's right. <laughs> we didn't talk about the food on our trip. The first place we went to was called the Slaughterhouse. Yes. It was a barbecue place. Yeah. We call in our order. I go inside to pick it up. They say it's going to be a couple more minutes. I hit the hand sanitizer, <laughs> and it's errant, and it yeah. hits me in the face. Yeah, you basically got bathed in uh, hand sanitizer. Hand sanitizer yeah. Walk back in, get our food. Guy says, is it your first time here? I say... Yeah, yeah I, I've heard good things about the place. He goes, where are you from? I say, we're with Winter Basketball Team in, uh, in Rock Hill. He goes, oh, oh, he goes, I think I know one of the guys on your team. I go, okay. He goes, little guy. And I go, on the team now or before? And I'm, I'm thinking Keon Johnson right, for that's some in your reason. Head. Right, yeah, yeah. I don't know why that's what yeah. I was thinking. 
And he goes, no, no. And I go, Russ Jones? And he goes, yeah, yeah, Russ Jones. He's he's from South Carolina, like a big fan of his, like acted as though he knew knew him. him, Winthrop wins game one of the series. We get to the hotel uh, Monday night. I see Russ. I say, hey, we ran into a guy at a barbecue restaurant that uh, seemed to know you. He goes, I don't know anyone from this area. (laughs) (laughs) Second meal of the trip, after game one, we go to a local place, Jamaican food. Jamaican food, yeah. Caribbean delight. Caribbean delight. It was delightful. What'd you get, Dave? Had the oxtail. How was it? It's delicious. And you had never had oxtail before? Not to my knowledge. It's certainly possible yeah. I have. Well, you really weren't sure what oxtail was, though. You know what? I didn't really care. I know. When I You're asked, more adventurous than I am. When I asked the guy, he said, what do you have? And he said, we got the oxtail. No, no, no. So this is the kind of place, because we called to kind of scope it out for lunch. Right. And, and they basically told you uh, we, we have well, they different don't things have a every webs- day. Don't right. have a no website. website. Yeah, no website. But they change things up, and then it's the type of place where they make it, and when they're out of it, they're out of it. Right. They're not making it anymore. Like, so we go after the game, and it's 7 o'clock or something. And they close at no, 7.30, they close at 8.30. Close at 8.30, and I say, what do you have left? And he says, we've got the oxtail. And I think he saw kind of that little trepidation. And the thing is, I'm all in. But I'm wondering if you're going to have the oxtail. So I say... There's no chance. Right. So I say, do you have anything else left? And he says, yeah, we got the jerk pork. Right. And then you knew it was safe for you to get the oxtail. Correct. Gonna, yeah. Correct. And it, it, it was it was really good. No, the best was they had like some sort of like rice and beans. And so we were like, yeah, we'll do the rice and beans. Like, yeah, no, we're out of the rice and beans. Yeah, we're out of the rice and beans. We had the white rice. The white rice. With the yeah. oxtail. And in yeah. your case... The jerk pork. It, it yeah. was really good. It was, I, really, I, I tell really you what, though, Dave, because uh, I've had you know uh, Caribbean food, Jamaican food, loved it. The pork was, I mean, it was perfect. Great flavor. Yeah, very distinct. But I mean, granted, it was that Jamaican jerk taste. Uh, yeah, it, I loved it. It was great. So then we were talking to Barkley Radabaugh, the coach of Charleston yes. Southern. And he had suggested that frequently when he leaves the gym and is just looking to pick up some quick food and go home, he picks up Carabas. Yeah. So I said to him, yeah, we, we opted for the, the Jamaican place <laughs> instead of Carabas. Have you ever been there? Yeah. And he goes, no, but my players love it there. Yeah, when they pick up their pretty and that's usually where they go. That's where, that's where they go. And I thought that was a good sign. That was a good sign. So today, we kind of reconstructed the bridge run, which you and Sam yes. have done several times. Yeah, we've done it like three or four times. You put out a super cool time-lapse video yeah, of cool. our kind of drive today. Well, the real, the real star of that was the, the, the tripod that we used to do the time-lapse. <laughs> but that's, that's, that's inside Bearded Carcast. And, and following Mike on social media, you see a lot of the cool stuff we do, and it, 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 it's really fun. But... Um, after we went and did that that drive, walk around just a little bit. Oh, so and this, again, is way inside for people, but since we're talking about it, the one mistake I made, uh, and if we ever do anything like this again, what I, uh, we should have had a camera, uh, and maybe if, if the budget allows, we get a uh, GoPro. Yep. We, 
needed one on the um, the bay side. Like we had one yeah. that was on like the river side. Yeah. We needed one that had like Charleston Harbor, and you could see yeah. the. I think it's the Yorktown that's in the harbor there. Here to Carcast Outlook.com. Yeah. We're looking you to fund fundraise. This. Yeah. Um, and then we ate at a restaurant that I would call kind of a a classic Charleston type place. This is a. I don't know that it was upscale, but it, it was, was kind of like gourmet it was a foodie, foodie place. type place. Yeah, it was yeah. a foodie place. Butcher and I loved it. You just had a burger. I had a fried chicken sandwich, but it's an upscale version of those things. Yeah, and I would I would say, and again, upscale is probably not the right word. It's more like a foodie, gourmet, like very. Uh, but the burger was delicious. With double burger, the bun. Uh, I read uh, when I was inside getting the food. Uh, they bake all their own rolls and stuff like that. But oh no no no! But the highlight. Now, as good as the burger was... And we didn't order this. No, we didn't order... I don't know if this is because it was a to-go order or... Although we ended up eating in the outdoor... Uh, there was nobody in the outdoor area, so we ate. Anyway. Uh, but it came with this um, cookie, and it was kind of a little bit of a high-rising cookie, meaning it was probably like a quarter of an inch high. Like, normally cookies are about maybe less than... Uh, Dark chocolate chips. Oh, my God. It was delicious. It, it was... It was top five cookie I've ever had in my life. It was far. the highlight of a good meal, but it was clearly the best part of it. Yeah. In fact, you know what? That might be the picture of our bearded carcass when we post it, is the cookie. So, here's the question. Yeah. Our next road trip, or at least is scheduled to be yeah. high point, that's yes. not happening because no. of COVID. No. Where is our actual next road trip? I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure either because the next home game is in Longwood. Well, where else does Winthrop go on the road this year? Presbyterian. Presbyterian. We've already gone to upstate in Charleston, so we're supposed yeah. to go to High Point. High Point. Oh, Radford. Radford. So the only other two trips other than High Point, I I, I guarantee. Finding foodie places in the New River Valley is... Uh, been challenging. And the food is better in the New River Valley than it is although, in Clinton, South Carolina. Although I did like the place we went to so did I. Um, for the Big South Conference Tournament. The guy who used to be a florist That's right. and then yes, opened a yes, barbecue yes, restaurant. Yes, yes, I don't think we're going to find a restaurant or a cookie a like that the rest that of the way. Oh yeah, I think you're right. The previous time I think we were at Radford... We, uh, we got free food as well. We, oh, went, to right. yeah, we went to that burger place. Yeah, we went to burger place. I'm not sure why people give us free food. Know. Maybe it's we look malnourished and like we need food. But that was a classic like roadside. Like I mean, it had four tables. You, I mean, that was like that was a you sit in your car and you eat the burger like kind of the old school. Like if in the old days of like the the station wagon, if you had, you'd put the tailgate down and eat your burger and fries on Absolutely. the Absolutely. Eating at a restaurant and getting takeout is different. And I think you and I both thought maybe our social digital media stuff would have to be dramatically different this year because of the pandemic. But I feel like we've altered it successfully. I'm yeah. still enjoying the experience right. even though it's different. Well, we, the only thing we've done, um, I forgot to put pictures out of it today, but um, I know you did. We just have, we're just we not really doing our song and dance at the restaurant like we normally right. do. Right. But that is our song and dance of a podcast. That's our song and dance of a podcast. Wish me luck on the 447 megabucks tonight. Oh, do we, how many tickets did we buy? Um, I got, I don't know if Sam got any. I think I have five tickets. And those are a buck a piece or $2, two a, piece. a piece? So it's $2 a piece. It's 447 million. Yeah. And the odds of winning are what? Probably as much as, the same as me. Um, when it's a positive EV bet, 
I like to win because once upon a time. Put it this way: I think I got a better shot of being the voice of the Red Sox next year than I do of winning this thing. That might be true, but when it's positive, I like to play it because it used to be that it was only a dollar a ticket, yeah. and the odds were like two hundred and twenty-five million to one. Right. So any time that rose to over $225 million, or if you want to count taxes and yeah, add that right. in, then it became a winning bet. But I'm pretty sure that that's, it, it hasn't reached that much yet. I'll, I'll, I'll keep my eye on it. Well, both of them are over $300 million. The, the, the Powerball is like 337 I think. Talk to me at five. Okay. Talk to me at five and we'll make a serious investment. Is okay. this what we should put John's college fund on? Perhaps, well, maybe not all of it. Okay. A piece? Maybe. Maybe we'll put... Uh, a small piece? Yeah. No, just a... Maybe we'll put Bella's snack... Um, What's a better use of $10? $10 worth of Powerball tickets or $10 worth of uh, Jamaican food? Ooh. And by the way... Yeah. The chimichangas in Des Moines oh. are terrific. And uh, we'll talk about this some other time, but um, I, I recently learned that Drake is the Harvard of the Midwest. Drake University? Yeah. Wow. Harvard of the Midwest. We'll talk about that on an upcoming yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah, because that's gonna have, uh, yeah, that's gonna have some long season-long implications. I think, especially if you like uh, random foods from the Midwest and college basketball. And college basketball. There'll be plenty of that coming up. Hopefully. All right, that's it for us. I'm Mike. He's Dave. You're you. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. Or you can listen to us next time on the Bearded Carcast. Mommy.